From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Just huddling here, trying to keep warm. It's getting grey and it's getting blustery and it's one of those damp, cold evenings. I hope you're huddled by the fire or the warmth of the glow of your uh, radio. We are uh, going to delve into uh, UFO disclosure again tonight. You know, when the history of the UFO disclosure movement is uh, written 10, 20, 50 years hence, an event that took place back, I think, will figure large in that text. And that is the citizen hearing on UFO disclosure that took place this very year back in uh, late April and early May where six former U.S. congressmen and women were gathered together in a sort of a mock congressional hearing, and they sat and heard testimony over the course of several days from dozens of top UFO witnesses. And we are um, going to speak with one of those former congressmen, Senator Mike Gravel, who was a two-term senator from Alaska from 1969, I believe, to 1981, he uh, he uh, was one of the co-chairs of that citizen hearing on UFO disclosure in Washington, and uh, we're just trying to connect with him now. But while we wait for the senator to join us, because he has some fascinating things to say, the gist of it being that we can no longer hide from the UFO ET reality. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network, executive director, was in Washington for the entire hearing, sat there, met with uh, Senator Gravel, and is really instrumental in getting the senator on the show. He's just ducked into the studio to see if he can raise Senator Gravel. Uh, so that's what's going to play out in the first half hour of the show, if all goes according to Hoyle. We'll get Senator Gravel on to talk about um, some of the jaw-dropping, gobsmacking testimony that he heard, which I'm guessing, based on the comments that I've heard from Senator Gravel, who's been quite vocal since the uh, the hearings wrapped up, as I say, late April, early May, my sense is that it really changed the trajectory of his life. Keeping in mind, this is a gentleman who ran for president in 2008, tried to get on the presidential ticket, I believe, in 1972 as vice president, and also was very instrumental in uh, the release of the uh, the famous Pentagon Papers into the public record back in the early 70s, at some risk to himself. Also, probably best known for his uh, forceful but unsuccessful attempts to end the draft during the war in Vietnam. All this, I say, just to sort of highlight the gravitas of Senator Mike Gravel, who again was asked by uh, Stephen Bassett, who orchestrated the citizen hearing, was asked to co-chair these mock congressional hearings and hear testimony. And this was someone who had, as the old saying goes, no skin in the game, had no sort of opinion, I guess, either way concerning UFOs and ETs. And after hearing this testimony, again, quite public about the fact that his government, the United States government, has lied to the public about UFOs and ETs and says we can no longer hide from the UFO ET reality. So that's what's in store for the first half hour. And then after that... We are scheduled to speak with Linda Moulton Howe, who recently joined uh, Victor on this program. Uh, Linda, of course, no stranger to many of you or any of you in the uh, the UFO disclosure arena, has been very vocal, of course, about uh, UFO disclosure, was one of the key witnesses at the citizen hearing. So we'll hear from uh, Linda Moulton Howe a little bit later in the program. She'll react to what we're about to hear from uh, Senator Gravel. And then, towards the end of the hour, we'll hear from... Daniel Sheehan, who's a uh, Harvard-trained constitutional lawyer, 
over the last 45 years. His work as, uh, as an attorney, speaker, and educator has helped to expose the structural sources of injustice in the United States and abroad, and uh, also a very vocal UFO disclosure advocate. So, Daniel Sheehan, Linda Moulton Howe, coming up. While we connect with Senator Gravel, let me say hello once again to uh, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. So listen, once again, just give us a 30-second description, if you will, of the, the citizen hearing on UFO disclosure back in late April, early May. Yeah, essentially it was five days of testimony by approximately 40 witnesses who demonstrated that they had the capacity to provide 30 hours of testimony in front of a panel of six former congressional leaders, one of whom was a senator, Senator Gravel, who we'll speak to this evening. And some of the uh, the testimony that was given by these individuals was extremely provocative. And most of the uh, the Congress persons that were on the panel in the Washington National Press Club were very skeptical initially about what they were going to hear and about the UFO ET issue in general. But by the end of it, each one of them did a 180-degree turn and became convinced that the information they were hearing was true. You met uh, with the senator. Did you have? Did you not have lunch with him? No, no. I actually, I just spoke with him very briefly after two or three of the sessions. I did have lunch with Merrill Cook, one of the panelists, but I had brief discussions with the uh, senator just after the session that he actually chaired. On I think it was Wednesday he chaired the session. Yeah. Just to give people sort of the backstory mm. of how this program came together tonight, he reached out to you. Did he not email or call you? Well, actually, I sent an email to him several months ago. Probably in June, when I sent an email to him, I thought all was lost. It was no, there was no hope to ever. But then eventually he did call me. I said, listen, I think we need to talk on the radio about this. Would you be willing to come forward? And he said, well, by sure I will. All right. And just to, to let people know, mm-hmm. Tim Spreen in, uh, in, in the other studio working uh, feverishly to try and reestablish contact. We had contact with uh, Senator Gravel on his cell phone, mm-hmm. and then suddenly he's obviously not there. So while we're waiting for him, let me give you a sense. I, I mentioned off the top mm-hmm. that uh, based on what I've heard from mm-hmm. the senator since the hearing, am I overstating it that it has maybe changed the trajectory of his life? I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, it really would be something that he's a, a political figure who I don't think expected to be able to do this this late in his life. And he actually heard information, and he was one of the most vocal at the time, who was really saying, listen, we've got to release those files. There's something very, very important going on here. And then after that, he was convinced that he would go out and speak more about this publicly, which he has, in fact, done. He's speaking more publicly than any of the other Congress people. Well, he's about to speak publicly uh, right now here on The Conspiracy Show. And again, a great pleasure to have Senator Mike Gravel on The Conspiracy Show. Senator, are you there? I'm here now, and I'm sorry for the technical mess-up. That's quite all right. It's good to have you with us. And uh, Richard Serrett here, and also, of course, a uh, gentleman that you know, Victor Vigiani, joining me in studio. Senator, let me, uh, let me begin by asking you, were you at all concerned when you were invited to co-chair this mock congressional hearing, how it might reflect on your you know rather impressive you know legacy that you've established over the over your political career was there any hesitation or any i don't know anxious moments when you were deliberating whether or not to accept stephen bassett's invitation uh there was no there was reflection but there was no hesitation once i had uh, straightened out my travel schedule which I had a conflict at the time, and I straightened it out in favor of the of the conduct of the hearing. Uh, now I well knew that uh, that a lot of people who buy into the ET phenomenon uh, have, uh, you 
know, have been considered a little bit off track. But uh, this hasn't happened to me as yet, and uh, I've been concerned about 9-11, and I've followed that. I've been outspoken in that regard. I have no trouble being outspoken with respect to the extraterrestrial phenomena that has been visiting the planet for some time. How, how would you characterize your, your views on the UFO ET issue prior to being invited to co-chair the panel by Stephen Bassett? Prior to being invited, and when I was invited and they agreed, they sent me a, quite a number of books and papers to read. Uh, prior to that time, I, I had not really focused on the UFO as an issue uh, to make my mind up one way or the other. It was there. I was knowledgeable about it like any other citizen. Nothing more than that. And so after reading and preparing for the hearing, by the time I went to the hearing, I was convinced by the uh, information that I had prepared myself with that there was no question that there was uh, a, a ET presence uh, in the world, that this phenomenon was real. And, of course, at the hearing, we had testimony uh, from over 40 scientists. As a result of that, all it did was just lock Oh, we're, we're, we're cutting out, uh, uh, Senator. Um, I'm not sure if you can still hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Ah, can you hear me? Yeah, that's a little better. Here. That's a little better. Yeah, yeah. So, so the gist of what you were, were saying was that um, uh, the, the material that you were given uh, prior to arriving, I guess, in Washington for the hearing had sort of, uh, what, prepared and convinced you that this issue was certainly worthy of further exploration and discussion. Oh, no question. Uh, that, but it also convinced me there was uh, an extraterrestrial presence uh, that was visiting our planet. Uh, and I personally hold the view that it would be the height of human arrogance to think that we are the only sentient beings within the cosmos. So uh, with that particular view, now it becomes the details of what's involved in this regard. All right, we're, uh, we're going to head into a break. Uh, if you could uh, hold on, uh, Senator, and uh, we'll come back and, uh, and, and sort of work through some of the more compelling testimony that you heard uh, during the okay, citizen at, hearing. Yeah, at the break, I'm going to go into my apartment uh, because we're just coming into the driveway now. All right. So, we'll establish so, contact on the uh, landline. That would be terrific. Yeah, All right. that's what we'll do. All right, okay. Senator, you stay where you are, and we'll be back. Uh, Victor Vigiani in studio from Zeland News Network. Senator Mike Gravel on the citizen hearing on UFO disclosure. Back with more in a moment here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. If you're just joining us, we have Senator Mike Gravel, who, a former uh, two-term senator for the state of Alaska, who was uh, a co-chair at the citizen hearing on UFO disclosure, which took place in Washington back in late April and early May. Uh, and uh, Senator Gravel uh, uh, joins us uh, once again. Thank you for this. Now, Senator Gravel... Uh, before I turn you over to, uh, to Victor Vigiani, who has many questions, I'm sure, uh, I just want to launch right into uh, some of the testimony that uh, that you heard over the course of the uh, the, the hearings. Uh, could you give us, I guess, the the pivotal moment for you uh, that maybe I guess sort of nailed it shut or, or or confirmed what you had been you know starting to suspect, given the uh, the information that you had regarding UFOs? Was there a pivotal moment in terms of the testimony? 
Yeah, that pivotal moment took place before I got to Washington uh, from reading the information that was sent to me. I about 10, 12 books were sent to me. So uh, I that's when the pivotal moment. Now, there were several testimonies that I thought were absolutely fantastic uh, in their revelation. Uh, one was I was so impressed with Paul Hellyard uh, from Canada, who had been the defense minister under three prime ministers. And one of them was Pierre Trudeau, and I was very friendly with Pierre uh, at the time. And so Paul uh, and I sort of, because my parents are from Canada, so we gravitated together, and his testimony and the book he wrote was just fantastic. There was one other that all the, I did not find any of the testimony uh, wanting. Uh, in other words, it was very, they were very reasonable, credible people that were testifying. Most of them were military officers and uh, and and PhD academics. But th- there was one person that I was very convinced by, uh, and that was uh, the sergeant uh, in Britain who went up to uh, one of these hovering crafts and ran his hands across the edge of it. Uh, and uh, and I thought that that one was courageous on his part, and two, very credible for a person at his level uh, of testimony. Uh, there were others. Uh, the uh, of course, uh, the 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 son of the uh, n- name escapes me at this moment. Uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. Yeah, and he has since deceased. And his, uh, I saw his daughter's daughter not too long ago, uh, and she was kind enough to advise me of his passing. Victor Vigiani, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, um, just great to have you with us, Senator. Uh, it's no surprise to you that um, you know what happened in your in your uh, I guess the the work that you did in trying to understand this concept. But it is no doubt a surprise to a lot of other people, both in Washington. And even some of your colleagues, who former senators or congress uh, congressmen throughout the um, throughout the country, they must have been surprised that you took uh, on this issue first of all, and not only take it on, but also become convinced that we are, in fact, as you stated earlier in, uh, in this interview, that we are being engaged and visited by off-world civilizations. Uh, what do you think the political impact of your involvement and your stated provocative involvement uh, in this w- will be? And not only you know now. But in the future, how will it politically unravel? Do you think? I, I think it will be. Uh, uh, it will have some impact. What? But more in the future, I think it will have probably more impact uh, after I've gone to my greater reward, and I've, I'm 83 right now. Uh, but but as far because I've been controversial, and so a lot of members uh, do not want to buy into uh, the kind of controversies I've been involved with. Although, historically, there's no one that believes that that uh, Vietnam was not a terrible, horrible mistake. And that's, of course, what we were trying to, to prove back then during its occurrence. So in answer to your question, uh, it's very difficult for me because I don't associate uh, with members of Congress, sitting members of Congress. Uh, in fact, there's probably only two or three uh, that, are, that were there when I was there. Do you, do you think that eventually um, the kinds of um, 
evolutionary understandings that you will um, no doubt discover in the future, depending on how much more work you do on this. Uh, at what level will you be ramping up any of your uh, conclusions about this this whole this whole thing? Because obviously, it can't just sort of sit still with it. I've been involved with this for 35 years, and it's gotten it gets into you. It it uh, it gets to to the very core of your being. How do you think that that um, evolutionary understanding of, uh, will get to your core of being, and, and what more could you do or will you do with respect to getting this issue out in the forefront? Well, it's already at the core. Uh, two two areas that I equate together in this regard, which are totally been subverted by the transparent lack of transparency in government, and that's the 9/11, which I feel is an inside job, and of course the ET phenomena which I think is the most important issue uh, concerning, not facing, but concerning uh, the planet, concerning our civilization. And so uh, I now what I've been doing, uh, I've already appeared on two, uh, uh, two uh, interviews, uh, one for a, a movie in California that uh, a couple of weeks ago I went down there to tape uh, a segment, and then earlier than that, I had taped another segment uh, for another uh, documentary. So, excuse me, I'll make myself available uh, to any request in this regard, like I am right now doing with this uh, with this interview. Uh, I just think it's important to permeate uh, the knowledge uh, that I have, or let's say more the belief, because I think there's a lot of people that have a lot more knowledge uh, than I have. And, of course, in going over a number of the books that were sent me, uh, at my age, you have a tendency to to learn something and to forget it unless it's brought back to your attention. So I will be responsive to any request in the future uh, to participate in a discussion on this uh, subject because I personally believe that this extraterrestrial presence is monitoring our planet hopefully uh, with the hope that we will mature ourselves to not destroy the planet. And, of course, that possibility exists through two areas. Uh, one would be the, uh, the slow demise with the environmental issue, and the other would be the rapid suicide at the hands of a nuclear uh, conflagration. Senator Mike Gravel uh, joins us, former two-term uh, senator for the state of Alaska, uh, who uh, co-chaired the recent uh, citizen hearing on UFO disclosure in Washington uh, back uh, in the spring. You mentioned um, the Right Honorable Paul Hellyer, uh, Canada's defense minister and also a deputy prime minister. Uh, and uh, he, of course... Uh, uh, you know, talks about the, 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 the his personal journey and how he read Philip Corso's book, The Day After Roswell, uh, and and happened to uh, speak with some, I believe, unnamed uh, U.S. military personnel, high ranking, who confirmed for him that everything in Corso's book was was, was true, is true. I'm wondering if you've had similar conversations uh, with uh, former or current military uh, type people regarding this issue. No, I haven't, and one of the reasons is I'm very outspoken against the military-industrial complex and the control that they have over our civilization, our society, uh, both uh, uh, with includes with Wall Street or, let's say, the financial interests that rule our society. Uh, and so the, to answer your question briefly, no, I don't have any contacts in those areas, and I don't, I don't choose to develop them. 
All right. Could you share another key uh, moment of, of, of testimony that, that uh, sticks out in, in, your, in your mind? Uh, the, the one uh, which I've now uh, have come, I did make an investigation further on this, and I, I forget the Ph.D. academic's name. Uh, he's written a book, and uh, it was in reference to uh, either somebody from Lockheed or Grumman uh, who in his retirement made the statement that we now have the technology to take E.T. home. The reference being that with the materials that we picked up, they've been able to re-engineer uh, up, the, up the scale uh, to 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 re- duplicate these uh, materials. I don't think that's the case. Now, this uh, this academic felt it was, and had put out a book with certain formulas on how to do it. Uh, the whole issue is one of energy, how they could have the energy to propel uh, these vehicles uh, or the flying saucers or what have you so that they can travel at unbelievable speeds and make right-hand turns at unbelievable speeds and to recognize that anybody who's from a uh, another galaxy who's observing us had to travel at least 37,000 light years. Well, anybody that can do that uh, has has developed an energy system far, far beyond our our understanding or capability. And so when this, we got this testimony, uh, or it was hearsay, that this uh, CEO had said that, well, we can take E.T. home. I don't think we can take E.T. home. I don't think we've developed uh, this knowledge uh, to a level. Now, there's another conspiracy theory that, yes, we have developed this knowledge. Uh, we can do this, but we don't want to share this energy information with the planet because it would change everything economically uh, as we as we presently operate under the capitalist system. I don't necessarily buy into that that particular thought, but there's no question that uh, the the people that are observing us have a level of knowledge, uh, a level of maturity and uh, scientific knowledge and and uh, psychological maturity that we don't even begin to touch. Uh, and my my guess is that they will sometime, so at some point want to make official contact, but they don't want to do it right now because we're not mature enough to handle it as a civilization. Before I let you go, I do want you to comment on this whole national security issue very quickly, if you could, before we leave you, uh, of, regarding the nuclear shutdowns that we heard from Captain Robert Salas and these craft uh, hovering over installations and shutting down our nuclear missiles of trillions of dollars of hardware that just won't work if these UFOs are around. Uh, what <laughs> yeah. message would you give to anyone who's listening right now? And I'm going to guess that there are some people beyond just our regular audience audience, uh, perhaps in Washington or in the Pentagon, that are listening to this conversation right now, what would you have to say to our defense department, your defense department, about the nuclear installations being shut down by unknown craft? Well, the reason for the level of security uh, in the government, which is uh, initiated uh, and promulgated by the military, is that they don't want to show uh, the level of incompetence that they have. Uh, the, you know, people say, well, you know, they're keeping a lot of secrets. Well, one of the reasons for keeping secrets is you don't want to show how dumb you are. And the evidence that we received, and it was from testimony from people in the bunkers who were operating the missiles, that whenever uh, a, a UFO hovered above uh, these missile silos, that the entire electrical system went out and that the missiles were useless. And so 
for for the uh, for the military to be in a position uh, where there the trillions and trillions of dollars that we spent on war making uh, are not operable uh, when they're faced with an extraterrestrial presence is not something that they want to be part of. And so the only defense they have is they make off it doesn't exist. And that's essentially what you're getting in the United States, whether it's from the White House or the Pentagon. Uh, they don't have any information to share with the American people. We've done better with France and South American countries in getting information from these other countries than we have with our own supposedly uh, transparent democracy. Uh, Senator, uh, give us a, an assignment to, for those people listening. Uh, you know, w- What should we take away from this and what should we do? What I think they need to take away from this, there's just a bevy of books out there. And I would start with Paul Helliard's book. Uh, I don't have the title in front of me, but there's just a whole, you just get on, on uh, uh, YouTube. There's a lot of uh, film that's been done on the subject. I just yesterday was watching a program that was done. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Frontline or another, but uh, there's, there is a wealth of information out there, uh, and all you've got to do is just spend a little bit of time informing yourself of this uh, if you really want to uh, come away with a view as to how bad we're being governed uh, in light of what's facing us as a civilization. Uh, any any uh, um, parting thoughts or messages uh, or message rather uh, to any members of the mainstream media who might be listening to this program? Uh, and, and of course, you know we know. Yeah, there's one that I'm always fond of, and whenever I lecture to students, and that is question authority. You know, we all we all defer to authority, assuming that they know more than we know. I got to tell you, from having visited the highest levels of government, I can assure you that the leaders do not necessarily know any more than what the average citizen knows. Well, uh, Senator Gravel, uh, really appreciate your time uh, tonight, and uh, I, I must commend you for, um, you know, for coming forward and, and speaking uh, so publicly about this. Thank you. Thank you very much, and I'm sorry for, for the technical difficulties we had at the beginning of the program. Not at all. Senator Mike Gravel. Thank you. Listen, we are um, just a, a moment away here from a time uh, a timeout. When we come back, uh, Linda Moulton Howe uh, will be with us. Uh, she, of course, one of the key witnesses in the uh, citizen hearing on UFO disclosure. She'll give us her thoughts on uh, what we just heard from Senator Gravel. And then a little bit later, uh, Daniel Sheehan will be with us, Harvard-trained constitutional lawyer, uh, no less. Uh, and also UFO Disclosure Advocate will weigh in with his, with his thoughts. And, of course, Victor Vigiani in studio from Zealand News Network. The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. We uh, just finished our conversation with Senator Mike Gravel, who presided over, or rather uh, co-chaired, the uh, citizen hearing on UFO disclosure, which took place back in uh, April, late April, early May of this year, uh, shared with us some of the more poignant uh, uh, bits of testimony that he heard. Victor, just l- let me get your, sure, uh, your feedback yeah. to uh, what Senator Gravel said. Let's just recap what he said. Well, essentially, uh, he's, he's indicating that the government, as he views it, and he's a pretty, um, he's the kind of individual who does challenge government 
moment as his history uh, as a as a political figure shows um, he is very clear that we're not being governed uh, in, in a way that allows people to find out the truth. And he said this to me a number of times in my conversations with, her early, with him earlier. Yeah, above and beyond the UFO issue, of course, just yeah, in he, general. It's, this is the whole ball of wax we're talking about, that the level of governance that's going on is only telling part, part of the story. Now, um, the question that I asked him towards the end there in, in terms of the, uh, the nuclear facilities, I mean, that's pretty important that the national security issues surrounding that are not being paid attention to by people like the Pentagon. They know that it's going on. They know these missiles have been shut down, but there's absolutely no dialogue or discourse about it. So, I mean, are they trying to prove that they can't do anything about this or what? All right. Uh, we are now joined by a noted UFO disclosure advocate who's uh, dedicated her documentary film, television, and radio career uh, to productions concerning not only science, medicine, and the environment, but also the UFO ET issue. And she, of course, was one of the key uh, witnesses at the citizen hearing, and she's also uh, the recipient of the 2010 Paradigm Research Group uh, Courage in a Journalism Award. Linda Moulton Howe, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you very much. It's been very interesting to hear uh, Senator Gravel. I was there in Washington, and we uh, had, I think, one of the best combination of people who had military or science backgrounds in Washington, myself being an investigative reporter, having interviewed a lot of people. I was very impressed with those five days that were brought together, and I am uh, very uh, pleased to hear Senator Gravel saying that he is now convinced what I have uh, been told by law enforcement for uh, more than 30 years, that uh, creatures from outer space are interacting with this planet, and our government has known about it since World War II, and I think that a mistake was made when they decided in World War II to have a policy of denial, a strict policy of denial. And one of the most interesting uh, sort of relevant relationships to the interview that you just did is a series that I have been working on for the last week or so having to do with brand new information about an abduction of a security guard at Ellsworth Air Force Base in the fall of 1977. And I did a coast radio broadcast Thursday to Friday with a man who was there at the base working in uh, the support of the Minuteman missiles at Ellsworth and knew, along with many other people in both the uh, aerospace mechanics side as well as the security guards, that they were having all kinds of interactions with red glowing or orange glowing disks that could bring down all of their electronics. And in this case, this is brand new. I called Robert Salas to see if he'd ever heard of it. There was an abduction of a security guard from a road at what is called Cactus Flats, where Delta 9 was when Ellsworth was uh, the largest, probably, nuclear missile site that the United States had in the early 70s, and that the security guard, uh, the disappearance and the missing time and all of that was known to this uh, missile mechanic as uh, being a story that was told by a Colonel Clink, this is what they called him, at an astronomy gathering in Rapid City so that it was talked about in a public setting. Well, when I did the interview with the man who had worked in uh, 
ballistic missile maintenance, he uh, had never uh, talked with anybody else who knew anything about it. I did the show, and afterward I get a email from a man who said, I know all about the Colonel Clink character and this abduction. I talked with him, uh, him on Saturday. I was able uh, Saturday to do an interview with the master sergeant who was involved in the investigation, and I will be posting that on Tuesday at my news website, earthfiles.com. And where all this leads, this is these are legitimate stories of people, in this case, abducted nuclear missiles being able to be shut down by UFOs, disks, uh, and that these are... From the inside, they knew that they were dealing with technology that had capabilities that we do not have to this day. And that had to do with Boeing testifying that the, the presence of these craft could bring down our Minuteman missiles one every second. And that this was considered to be impossible. The technology to do that was not understood. And here we're hearing more today in October 2013 and when I have done this interview with the man who knew a great deal more about this abduction he said that they were they had people who were in even higher authority than he who were going out in pickups and jeeps on a regular basis because the UFOs the unidentified flying objects the uh technology from someplace else on a somewhat regular basis is the way he put it were coming and interfering with the Minuteman missiles at uh, Ellsworth at Minot and at uh, the uh, it's called uh, it's the one that's EF in uh, in South or it's Wyoming and Nebraska in that area. Linda, I've got to I've got to jump in here because we're just about out of time. Uh, listen, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, I just want to get a very quick comment from you about what it means to have a former senator, uh, Mike Gravel, now in your corner or those in the UFO disclosure community. We'll uh, take a time out. Come back. A quick comment from Linda Moulton Howe, still awaiting. Daniel Sheehan will join us as well. Victor Vigiani in studio from Zeland News Network. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Linda Moulton Howe is uh, with us. Uh, EarthFiles.com, the website, of course. And uh, she no stranger to uh, the UFO disclosure uh, movement, uh, documentary filmmaker, television radio uh, um, professional who's dedicated uh, a large part of her professional career to the UFO ET uh, issue now, Linda. Just a, a quick comment yeah. uh, from you on what it means to have someone with the gravitas of a Senator Mike Ravel in your corner. What it says to me is that the substance, the content that was presented in those five days at the citizens' hearing in uh, Washington at the National Press Club, was substantive enough to take a man who had been a sitting senator and who was neutral at the beginning, and by the fifth day, he came up to me, and he shook my hand. And Senator Gravel said, Linda, the content here is so strong, it should be presented to the world. And it was Senator Gravel who said to me and several others that what we did in Washington 
should be done in some other kind of a forum that would be completely international, taking advantage of the web and being able to show all countries somehow through translations everything that we did in Washington, which I think is a very, very important idea. And tonight he mentioned Ben Rich. Ben Rich was the director of Skunk Works at Lockheed. And it was Ben Rich who, near his death, said the following, We already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects, and it would take an act of God to ever get them out to benefit humanity. Anything you can imagine, we already know how to do, and he's what Ben Rich is referring to is back engineering of extraterrestrial technology. And then he said... We now have the technology to take E.T. home, which means going from Earth into the stars using this extraterrestrial technology. And he said, no, it won't take someone's lifetime to do this. And he goes on to talk about what it is that they have learned about the physics of this universe from what we've all been told is extraterrestrial technology. This is what Army Lieutenant Colonel Philip J. Corso, in his book, The Day After Roswell, was saying is that he had firsthand knowledge about the back engineering of extraterrestrial technology when he worked for General Arthur Trudeau in the Pentagon. And that is the truth. That is where we are. It's all been hidden under a policy of denial since World War II. And Senator Gravel tonight and in Washington is saying, you have presented enough substance, meaning those of us who were there, to say that I now am convinced that non-human intelligences are interacting with this planet and people as important as Ben Rich at Lockheed Skunk Works said that, that before he died, and we have to break this policy of denial. Linda Moulton Howe, I really appreciate your time tonight. Earthfiles.com, the website. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, Victor Vigiani, uh, let's welcome one more uh, before the evening is through. And uh, Daniel Sheehan is a uh, Harvard-trained con- constitutional lawyer over the last 45 years. His work as an attorney, speaker, educator has helped to expose the structural sources of injustice in our country and abroad, protect the fundamental and inalienable rights of our world's citizens, and elucidate an inspiring and compelling vision for the direction of our human family. His dedication to his vision and work has put him at the center of some of the most important legal cases and social movements of our lifetimes, and that, of course, would include the UFOET issue. And uh, a, a pleasure to welcome Daniel Sheehan to The Conspiracy Show. Daniel, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Richard. Nice to be here. And uh, say hello, of course, uh, to uh, Dan- uh, to uh, Victor Vigiani Victor. from Zealand News hey, Network. Victor, how are you? Not too bad, Danny. Good to have you with us. <laughs> Great. Uh, Daniel, we had uh, some technical difficulties off the top with yes, Senator Gravel, so I'm not I sure heard. how much of that you you were able to hear. Um, yeah, no, I heard I heard the whole thing. All right, well, what, what um, you you were there in Washington, uh, and I'm not sure yeah. uh, to what extent you were able to uh, to speak, uh, you know, privately away from the hearings with Senator Gravel. But just give us some insights in, into uh, uh, who this man is, and and um, I guess how he was transformed over the course of the hearings. Well, it's interesting. I'd known Mike before because I had been chief counsel for the United States Jesuit headquarters in Washington, D.C. for 10 years, right during the period when Michael was there. And I was the 
legal counsel for one of the legal counsel for the New York Times when we published the Pentagon Papers, and I was in the middle of the decisions to to decide to publish those papers when uh, Mike Gravel, Hall Senator, got up on the floor of the Senate and began to read from them uh, into the public record. So I've known Michael from, for a long time, and I know that his his influence inside that group of Congress people. He was the United States Senator that was there in April and in May, back in Washington, and there were four other members of Congress that were there, and it was clear that they were they were hearing information which, if they had uh, been able to hear that information publicly while they were actually sitting as members of Congress, either the House or the Senate, that it would have been clear that this would have convinced them that this is information that is being concealed uh, by the executive branch and even by potentially some of the people in the intelligence committees uh, of the United States Congress. But more likely, it's the executive branch that is even refusing to let members of Congress anywhere know about this because it is perhaps the most closely held secret uh, in the entire United States government. Do you think, Danny, that, um, and I'm, I don't want to be, sound like I'm naive about this because I'm not really totally familiar with how the inside workings of the, of the executive branch work, but do you have any sense that, that people um, in that level of government, even in the intelligence agencies, are, are even paying attention to the fact that uh, someone like Gravel came forward and did what he did? Is there any sense that you have that they, well, it's, you know? Well, it's interesting. There's, there's, there's such a, a full-scale operation of ridicule that's been established inside the executive branch, and we know that uh, because there are memos that have been obtained. Uh, Richard Dolan, in his you know wonderful two-volume set of uh, documents that have been extracted from the United States government called UFOs in the National Security State, which everyone listening should get a hold of, and just look at, look at what the actual documents from inside the government itself has revealed about the fact that they knew that this was an extraterrestrial presence, that they were, in fact, assigning people to go out and discredit uh, anybody from Congress or anybody in any representative government positions or any private positions in the country to ridicule them and try to destroy their reputation if, in fact, they had had an opportunity to come into possession of information showing that this extraterrestrial presence was real. So that uh, his, his courage and the courage of the other uh, four Congress people who came forward and participated in in uh, April and May uh, in these hearings has been important. And virtually every single one of them came from a position of thinking that this was uh, just a kind of a crackpot, loony kind of uh, position uh, to discovering that there was absolutely credible, solid information from very uh, credible sources that in any objective uh, trier of fact would come to conclude generated, at least in their mind, a high probable cause to believe that this information was being concealed by the United States government. You, ra- you so raise a really that's, good that's point. That's quite a passage. Yeah. You raise a really good point. You say that in a court of law. Um, I'm wondering, is, is there any way that this more information coming forward or however um, this stuff leaches into the, into the uh, lower levels of government and moves itself up, do you think that the judiciary in, uh, in, um, in, the, in the, the three branches, the legislative and the executive, has any role to play in trying to figure out constitutionally why people should know about what's going on? Uh, not, not, not for the next 15 years or so, Richard. The, the, the campaign that's been undertaken by the reactionary mm-hmm. element in the Republican Party 
uh, over the past 30 years to stock the entire federal judiciary with members of the Federalist Society, this extreme right-wing reactionary group uh, who are completely determined to allow the government to conceal behind the veil of national security anything they choose to do uh, is not in the foreseeable future going to play any kind of significant role in breaking into this, uh, this area of secrecy. The, the, the judicial branch right now, including uh, a solid four constant members of the United States Supreme Court, are locked down on this national security issue. And this issue of the existence of an extraterrestrial intelligence and the fact that they come and go on our planet in these, these vehicles uh, is, as I said, the most closely held national security secret in the entire United States government. So the, the judicial branch has shown in the last 25 years absolute deference to the executive branch to allow them to conceal anything they choose uh, and to not recognize the constitutional rights, the fundamental constitutional rights of citizens. They've cut away our right of standing to bring issues before the federal judiciary. They're of a, a matter of high interest and importance to the public interest. They don't, they don't believe the judiciary to be the proper place to seek refuge. They think you have to go into the electoral realm. And, of course, they in the Democratic Party and the reactionary Republican Party have totally gerrymandered the districts now so that it's very difficult to unseat any of those people that are in office now. So the, I, don't, I don't think we should give people the false impression that the judicial branch is going to be open in the mm -hmm. next decade or more to help us. What we have to do is organize among the citizenry given access to the to the internet given access to the communication system that we have with each other now the kind of uh... video technology that we have with our cell phones to be able to gather information and put it up onto the internet where we can all share it just go past these people go past the people who who have put themselves into a position of blocking uh... information to the people and just don't rely upon them anymore uh, they've lost the confidence of the American people for the most part. So we need to mobilize and reestablish a governing coalition among our own people that demand the truth on important issues such as this. Uh, and a point, I think that's an important movement. A point taken, Daniel, about, you know, sort of doing an end run against or around the, um, the status quo. But uh, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, granted that Senator Gravel is a former United States senator, are there sitting members uh, of the House of Representatives or in the Senate uh, that you have identified that might be willing to take a cue from former Senator Gravel and maybe make that next step and come out, and, and, and or is it a lost cause? Well, not a lost cause, but at the, at the present time, it's not very likely, Richard. As you, as you can see, the present, the present structure of the, the executive branch and the legislative branch are in this extraordinarily locked-down mode right now where... They're, they're refusing to deal with some of the most pressing issues on the planet. They won't deal with the issue of global climate change. They won't substantially limit the ability of the, the powerful petroleum industry to pump you know, millions of tons of sludge into the atmosphere and the environment every year. They won't do this because they're being basically paid for by the major corporations. Since Citizen United, the United States Supreme Court decision written by Justice Roberts, uh, they now are allowed to exercise their alleged First Amendment right to put in as much money as they choose into the electoral process. So they purchase these Congress people and senators, and they are not ever going to let any information come out about the existence of an alternative propulsion system and energy system that is going to basically render useless 
not only their entire petroleum industry, but also their private nuclear power industry. So they're, they're not going to allow something like this to take place. What they're going to try to do is they're going to try to use their control over the tools of the national security state to suppress this information until such time as they've gotten such complete control over it that they can come to own it. And that's what they're doing. And so that there's a, a major campaign going on to develop this technology and to make it available for an extremely elite, narrow portion of the population, that same 1% that owns everything else. All right, and that's what they're trying to do now. Daniel, we and sadly we're out of time. Listen, uh, I'd like to extend an invitation for you to come back and join us for the full hour sometime real soon. Would you be good for that? Surely. I'd be, I'd be happy to do that, Richard. Daniel Sheehan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Victor Vigiani, thank you as always. You're most welcome. It's been a, a very interesting evening. Well, congratulations on uh, pulling this uh, wonderful program together. Something that you just have to do. We, right. we have to do. Thank you, Tim Spreen. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>